If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can make a change. We need a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. Start different at GoDaddy.com. This is an ode to Napa cabbage. Of all the cabbages on all the cabbage farms, only you have the crisp crunch worthy of our Bibigo Korean dumplings. No other cabbage would do, because no other cabbage tastes like you. We love you, Napa cabbage. Just don't tell Green Onion. Napa cabbage, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every hearty, flavorful Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. This is Podco Media Networks. On episode 105 of Confessions of a Marketer, we're talking the business of expertise. Hi, it's Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. David C. Baker is back in to talk about his book, The Business of Expertise. We'll get to that in a moment. Next time, Carmen Perry on the biggest challenges for marketers. Plus, we'll have Rich Lyons on marketing the holidays. A couple of discussions on conversion, one with John McDonald and another with Justin Christensen. Chris Stefanik will also join us on storytelling, Kiri Masters on marketing and Amazon, and Nathan Hirsch on finding the right freelancers. Lots more in store. So as I always say, stay tuned. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. Okay, back to David C. Baker. Anyone who's a consultant in advertising, marketing, you name it, is in the business of expertise. David's new book, with all of his rich experience, is a must-read for those of us who sell our expertise. How can you make a difference in your clients' lives and make money at the same time? David has some answers. Plus, we talk about storytelling, the in-housing of marketing, and purpose-driven companies. Really enjoyed this chat, so let's get to it. So you know a lot about a lot of stuff, and you've written a book called The Business of Expertise. Did your background inform you taking this task on? And why did you write it? Tell me about the central thesis. Sure. It was very different. It was my fifth book, and it was very different from the other books because the others, I took an approach sort of like a professor, which was my earlier background, and they read like textbooks. They're just full of really useful stuff, but not all that emotional or emotive or purpose-driven necessarily. And that's how this book was going to be when I sat down to write it. And I just found after about five days into the process that it was even even boring me. And I decided <laughs> that I needed to really start over. And so I slimmed it way down. It became about a third of the original length that I had intended. It became illustrated. I wrote with a very different tone. And I just decided that I was tired of some things in this industry. I was not just my industry, but the industry of expertise where people are selling their thinking for a living in the professional services space. And and I was tired of the lack of seriousness, the lack of competence. And I was 
committed to the view that part of why advisors weren't doing as good a work as they could is because they had not made really courageous positioning decisions. They were operating from kind of a scarcity mentality, feeling like they were nervous about whether they'd have enough opportunity, whether it would just slow up for them or whatever. And they were taking work that they were not qualified to do. And I wanted to write this manifesto, essentially, even though I didn't really use that word. I want to write a manifesto around expertise, which starts with positioning. Then it moves on to really figuring out how to help your clients. I wanted to make an argument for two things as experts. The argument for really making a difference in your clients' lives with real change and then making money with no apology around making money. I really do believe that people who sell their thinking and do it well deserve that money and they almost always make great decisions around how to spend it too. So those were the two themes in the book how experts can think differently and, and have a bigger impact and make more money. I was at a market research analyst firm for quite a while in the early part of this century. And the guy who founded it had said that if at least 15% of your clients weren't really mad at you, you weren't doing your job. Mm. And that meant, really, you've got to be honest with your clients. Right. You can't feed them what they want to hear because that's of really, really no value to them. I think that's true. In fact, that has motivated a policy that I've had in place for the last 23 of the last 25 and a half years. So two years into this, I found myself softening or watering down the advice a little bit because I hadn't been paid for everything yet. And I realized how dangerous that was. Goodness, it wasn't an issue of cash flow. It was an an issue of my lack of courage in every situation to tell the client exactly what would be most helpful for them. So at that point, I decided that 100% of every fee would be prepaid. And the reason was to retain my objectivity. I think what that person said that you worked with is right. It may need to be more than 15%. I also think if you don't get sued every once in a while, you're probably not pressing the boundaries enough either. Right. That's why you carry liability insurance. Right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you headed career-wise? What's next for you? Well, I'm 59. I feel fantastic physically. I still enjoy traveling quite a bit. I'm working on the next book. I would say that I'll probably do a little bit more remote work phase into that over the next four to five years, do a lot more speaking, probably a little bit less consulting, more events. The minute I quit thinking is the minute I don't really want to be around much anymore. So at the moment, I just love what I'm doing. I have to keep asking myself that question every few years. But at the moment, I just am full speed ahead, just doing slightly different things. Are there any trends you've been following that you think we should pay attention to, whether they're in marketing, business, or society? Hmm. Well, these would be more interesting probably in the marketing field, but clearly the newest trend in the marketing space is storytelling. And it's very discouraging to me because the people who are talking about storytelling don't really understand it. And it's just the next phrase for what they were selling last decade, which was branding. Right. I think there is incredible depth and validity in storytelling as a science and an art, but the way people are practicing it leaves me quite empty. That's one trend I'm seeing. Because it's so self-serving most of the time? 
It's because one day they're not a storyteller and the next day they are, but they've done nothing to improve their skills as storytelling. They're just simply applying the label to what they've been doing already. That's what discourages me. Storytelling has been around for millennia, obviously. One of the very best books on storytelling, The Healing Power of Stories, was written in 1996, and nobody was paying any attention to that. It was written by Daniel Taylor. And of course, since then, there's been all kinds of great work around storytelling. But yeah, that discourages me a little bit. There's clearly a movement towards in-housing all marketing services. So for the first time in history, uh, about three years ago, most of the people that work in the marketing space are working on the client side versus the independent agency side. And that's... Right. We've talked about that here on the podcast. Yeah. So that's really big. I think the whole notion of purpose in business, and there was a big announcement today where a bunch of CEOs got together. I like that movement itself, but there still has been no credible story that ties scientifically a firm's higher financial performance or stock performance to purpose-driven nature of a company. So I'm looking forward to having more research around that. At the moment, it's basically a fad bandwagon that is there for the right reasons, but without much scientific backing. I I think we live in a really interesting world. I think there's more and more stuff that we have to be more discerning about. I tend to latch on to certain authors and trust them because they've been consistently correct over the years and, um, and then just listen with a, a real sort of discerning mind about what's happening. It's kind of a complicated world, isn't it? It is, isn't it? It makes it interesting, but also you, you have to somehow make yourself content with a lot of undone things because there just simply isn't the time to dive deep down a rabbit hole for everything. You can get lost in that, right? And then you come back up for air and you discover there's another thousand rabbit holes you can pursue. Yeah. And it seems like societal things, things in business, things in politics are kind of blending in a way. You can't escape politics when you're organizing a marketing campaign because you never know what's going to happen in social media. It just seems like these worlds Mm -hmm. that we kind of built that were not really separate, but seem to be separate are no longer separate. Yes. And and we're addressing a polarized world who somebody in that polarized world on either side is going to find something to agree or disagree with. So you have to be on your toes as well. Well, this has been fascinating, David. I could talk to you for hours about being a pilot and growing up in Guatemala and all your experiences (laughs) running an agency. I really enjoyed our discussion and thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you, Mark. I really appreciate the invitation. All right, next time, Carmen Perry on the biggest challenges for marketers. So stay with us. This episode of Confessions of a Marketer was written, produced, and edited by yours truly. T. Jordan of A-Class Productions wrote the theme music. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Podco Media Networks, and this episode is copyright 2019. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. See you next time. You've never tried to eyeball six feet as often as you do now. You wear a mask, you wash your hands, and you've stayed within the walls of your apartment for more hours than you care to add up. But unless you live in a smoke-free building, you're not exactly home free. Secondhand smoke drifting through the cracks in walls or sink drains carries toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. And right now, lung health is key. Go to tobaccofreeca.com to learn how to stay safe.